This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Interesting, beautiful pshat. Because then it says, how does someone become great? How did Moshe Rabbeinu become great? Right now, he was just coming out of the the castle of of um, Paro. So he was, and he was a young kid. So we, we, we did he become great? Because Vayetze Alechov. Because he went out to his brothers. Vayavisivlaisam. And he saw their pain. How does a Jew become great? What's the greatness of a Jew? The Jew that sees, that goes out to his brother and sees their pain and does something about it, that's greatness. So the Pasuk says, But Yidam Moshe, how did he become great? Because he went out to his brothers. To sit on a computer and blog all day and sit on Facebook and do nothing about anybody, just just speak Lush and horror about people and not do anything for Klai Yisrael. That's not something that's great. But what is a great person? A great person is someone who does something and actually sees their brother's pain and does something about it. But what happens? He looks both ways. ish, And he sees that from this mitzri, no one good is going to come out. He kills the mitzri. So that was the first day. Then he comes out, goes out again. And he sees these two Jewish people fighting. But yeah, I mean, he says, he gives him a little criticism. Shakes him up a little bit. La Russia, he says, because we know that a person who hits another person is Russia. But yeah, I mean, La Russia. Why are you hitting him? You're Russia. Oh, he gives somebody criticism. Then we go viral. Listen to what happens. But yeah, I mean, who made you boss? Vayira Moshe. And he wasn't a scaredy cat. And Moshe became very scared. And he said, This is going to go viral because I, I criticized somebody and now they're going to tell everybody what happens in the next passage. They went to tell Paro and he tried, and he tried to kill Moshe. Listen to, what Rashi, listen to what Rashi says. Rashi says the following. Why would Moshe Rabbeinu scared? Doesn't usually say, you know, that Moshe Rabbeinu is scared. So it says the following. Um, let's go to Pasuk to the Rashi. But Yira Moshe, Moshe became scared. Kipshuto, it really means he became scared. Umedrisha dog life. Umedrisha, and the Medrash says dog life became. Dog, he became um, upset. Al Shirab Yisrael Rishon Dal Turin that he saw in Klai Yisrael that there are Rishonim Dal Turin. What are Dal Turin? Dal Turin are Lashon Hara says says if it's this Echachamim Dalit. What are Dal Turin? Malshinim. He will speak Lashon Hara. Omar he said so he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared that he was going to get that they were going to do something to him. That's not what he was scared of. Omar, he said, Me'ata, Shema, if they're going to be people in Klai Yisrael, they're going to talk about bad about other people in Klai Yisrael, they're talking about Shinhara, Malshinim, Enem, Ruyin, Lehigayel. Klai Yisrael will not deserve to be redeemed. So he was very, 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 um, he was very, very, very worried that, um, Klaitzel won't be redeemed because he was speaking Lashon Hara. Then he says, It's going to go viral. Everyone's going to know about this. Right? Like it sounds. Right? It's a very tough, unbelievable Rashi. So listen to this. He wasn't talking about that, that it's going to become public knowledge. He was saying, Now... I understand why the Jewish nation is, is, is being punished like this. Now I understand why they're working so hard. What do you mean? What do you understand? Says Rashi. Now I understand that they deserve what they're getting. Now I understand why they have to work hard because if they're, if they're talking Lashon Hara and they're, and they're talking Lashon Hara about each other, then Taka Moshe Benu said, I, 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 I fear that they'll never be, they'll never be guile, they'll never be redeemed, and I also, and I, and I also understand what they're going through. A person has to be very, very careful before one talks 
bad about another Jew. Now, let's go a little bit further. Moshe Rabbeinu says in Pasuk Hey, Perek Dalit, he says, I don't think, uh, no, actually it's in a different Pasuk, he says, I don't think that um, Klai Yisrael, right? Oh, here it is. Pasuk Aleph and Perek Dalit. Vayan Moshe, Vayamer, Vayelay Aminuli. Jewish nation is not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to my voice. They're going to say, Hashem never appeared to you. So Hashem said, what's in your hand? He said, Amata. He said, throw it to the ground and it'll turn into a snake. Why specifically this trick, so to say, that he was doing that it would turn into a snake? How about a frog or something else? Says Rashi, why a snake? Because Hashem said he wanted to show Moshe Rabbeinu that you did a very bad thing. You spoke Lashon Hara on Klai Yisrael. Where do you speak Lashon Hara on Klai Yisrael? What do you say bad about Klai Yisrael? But Amrai, lo that he said they're not going to believe in me. Because Boku said, why would you say that about them? And you, said Hashem, you're doing the umnasek, the work, the job of the snake, because the snake is a Lashon Hara, the whole thing is Lashon Hara, a forked tongue. So because Boku said, I'm showing you an example. If you take a stick and you throw it on the ground, you're going to become a, a nachash. Why? Because you said the Jews won't listen to you. He didn't say really Lashon Hara on them. He said, I'm an Aral Sipasayim. I stutter. I don't speak well. I'm coming. I'm, you have to know another thing, that he wasn't living in Mitzrayim. So he was an outsider. There was a, someone part of Mitzrayim would have come and said that we're taking out of Mitzrayim stuff like that. But he came from the outside. He was gone from Mitzrayim for a very long time, Moshe Beno. He was a king, and Bilam's son kicked him out. So he came from the outside. So he was like, I'm going to show up. I didn't work. He was Shevet Levi. I didn't work. I didn't suffer. Right? You're suffering. Some guy shows up who's not suffering, telling you, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Get out of here. You're not one of us. Right? So Moshe Beno felt that way. So he said, the Hemel Emino. Judge Baruch said, that's still Lashon Hara. Therefore, I'm going to show you that the stick becomes a snake. Not only that, the next sign, right? Hashem says, Put your hand in your, in your jacket, in your, in your bosom. He took his hand out and turned it to Tsaras. Said Rashi. Why did it become Tsaras? Because, um, why that, why Tsaras? Because he spoke Lashon Hara, that they will not believe in me. You hear what's going on over here? Two signs. One was the stick turns into a snake. The other one that his hand turns white was why? Because he spoke Lashon Hara in Klai Yisrael. What was the Lashon Hara he said in Klai Yisrael? They're not going to believe me. Why should they believe me? I, I stutter and he didn't say anything really that wrong. No. You can't talk bad, you can't talk bad on Klai Yisrael. And therefore he was punished, I mean, those are the two Simon. So there's, I don't know if you have the safer, um, the safer called, uh, Shmir Talash in day 86. I'm actually, the book that I'm writing right now in Akar Satov is gonna look the same way. We're doing day by day by day because we want the kids to learn in school. So he says, he says, uh, if you want to look it up, it's day 86. He says something really beautiful. He says, that Rabbi Yitzchak says, what craft should a man pursue in this world? He should make himself like a mute. That he, that he should make himself that he can't speak. So he says, well, what does that mean? He says, suppose a person suddenly suffers a loss of speech and he can't talk and all the city's doctors are summoned to suggest a cure, but they all fail. So no, nobody can fix this guy. He can't talk. He's a mute, right? All of a sudden this doctor shows up and he, he fixes this guy. All of a sudden the guy could talk. I mean, I, I, I know a little kid that couldn't talk for a very long time. And the parents were very scared that he would never talk. And they took him to this doctor, to that doctor, to this doctor, whatever it is. Baruch Hashem, today he's talking, he doesn't stop talking. But, um, but could you imagine, you go to the, you feel that your child may never talk, and then you go to a doctor and he, he knows that he does whatever he does, and all of a sudden the kid comes out and starts talking, hi ma, I love you ma, right? And then you want to pay him, you're like, oh my gosh, you saved my son, you say he can talk. And you want to pay him, he says, no, I don't want, I don't want any money, I don't want any payment, right? So you would be like so thankful. One thing for sure, you would not speak ever against that doctor. I mean, he saved your kid. He got, he got, he gave him the ability to speak, right? So for sure, 100% you would never speak against him. So he says over here, the Chavetz Chaim says, I don't understand. Hashem, every day he gives you the ability to speak, right? Otherwise you'd be a mute. So how could you use that speech, right, against him? You're using, you're not a mute, you're able to talk. 
So how, he's the doctor. He gave you the ability to talk. How could you use that speech to talk bad about other people, which is a big error that Hashem said you shouldn't do? And surely, chas v'shal, not to talk by davening. That's for sure. He didn't give you the ability that morning not to be a mute, so that while everyone's davening, you're talking, right? That's for sure. I don't know. People react to cell phones that ring in shul. They go crazy. Ah! The other day I was in shul. Oh, my gosh. This guy's phone went off, and it was in his coat, and it was down in Shemona Esther. He couldn't really get to it. I felt so bad for him because it was ringing in his coat. Everybody was looking, right? And, and I was like, he did it by accident. Yes, you should turn your phone off before you come to shul. But sometimes you forget. But at the same time, there are guys talking in the back of the shul. Nobody has a problem with it. Nobody's screaming and yelling. Oh, they're talking. Okay. Right? But guys, phone rings? Whoa! You know, I don't even know. I don't even know the is. I don't know for sure the issue of a phone ringing in shul. I mean, you're not supposed to disturb people while they're davening. That's for sure. Right? But the, I don't know the, the isser of a phone ringing, if you, especially if you forget. People go crazy. You're talking shul? Nah. No, no one gets too excited. <laughs> Shabbos, when the phone can't ring. Shabbos, the phone can't ring, right? So you think, okay. So if someone's talking shul on Shabbos, people are going to go crazy. No, You talk, nobody says anything, right? Of course, I'm not talking about anyone here or anything. Maybe there's a shul, one shul in the world that talks in Chas Vashon. But, but, but. Because I don't want to, I don't want the stick to turn into a snake. I have to be careful what I say about Chayyim. But Lamaisa, we we need. You have to give a little more. So Hakadosh gives you the power of speech, and 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 he's the doctor that fixed your mouth. So you're going to use it against him. You're going to talk by davening when 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 people are davening to Hashem and thanking Hashem. So you have the chutzpah. Imagine, well, let's get in this story. Imagine this doctor cures your kid, right? And now he's giving a speech, a medical speech, on whatever it is, on 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 how to speak and how to cure children who can't speak, right? Everyone's gathered in a room like this. Everyone's sitting there and the doctor gets up, right? Or someone gets up and is actually thanking the doctor, right? And you start screaming in the back and making noise and making sure that nobody can hear the thank you. You'd say, what are you, 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 well, guys, your child couldn't speak and God gave you, gave him the ability to and you're screaming and, 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 and nobody can hear what the guy's saying? Of course not. You would never do such a thing. So, so if Hashem gave you the ability to speak in the morning, right, and everybody's doubting in shul, and they're all thanking Hashem for whatever they have, and you're talking, you're doing exactly that. You're doing exactly that. Hashem gave you the ability to speak that morning, and you're using that ability to, to go against Him. You know, and, and, and it's the same thing with, it's not only with that, it's the same thing with, with what you see. Right? Because Shmuel gives you the ability to see, gives you eyes to see. So, so you're using those eyes against to, to see things that you're not supposed to, especially now we're in, um, we're in Shaivavim, to use that ability of what you can see to look at things that you're not supposed to. So it's like, it's like the doctor gives you all this, all these goodies, and then you use it against the doctor. He says that a human being would never do that to another human being. So why do you do it to God? So presidents be very careful not to talk in Shul, but also be very careful not to talk Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is a, hurting somebody else's feelings is one of the strictest things in the world. I'll tell you how strict it is if you hurt somebody else's feelings. There's a mom lawyers, very scary mom lawyers. Mom lawyers in Toldos, where Yaakov took the Bechorah from Esav. So it says the following. And Esav said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Because... Because Yitzhak said, I, I, I already gave it away to your brother. I don't have anything for you. So Asa was very upset. And he said, you, you only have one blessing, my father? He said, Brecheni Gamani, please bless me too. Vayisa Asaf Kolo. And Asaf lifted his voice. Vayyeh. And he cried. What the fuck says? Listen to this. Amalek says the following. Three tears, this is Medrash. Three tears flowed from Asaf's eyes. Right? He really, he really was crying. It wasn't a fake cry. He really wanted that Bechorah. So three tears flowed from his eyes. One flowed down his right cheek, and one flowed down his left cheek, and one remained between his two eyes. If the third tear had descended, the Jews would have never escaped from under the Romans, from under Esau. Esau, Israel will not be redeemed until Esau's tears are wiped away. In the merit of these tears, listen to the Midah Kenegi Midah, in the merit of the tears that Esav cried because he wanted the bracha, he was given Harseir. Harseir is a very fertile area. Why? Because it gets a crazy amount of rain. Because he cried because he wanted a bracha from his father that he didn't get, so the land that he lives in gets tears, gets, gets all this rain. 
He says, the, the tears that Esav shed when he asked Yitzhak to bless him caused us many troubles. They showed how much he wanted the blessing, and as a result, Yisrael was under his power. There we will remain under the subjugation of Esav until we do tshuva and shed tears that can outweigh his. Three tears. He cried three tears. Had the third tear come down, we'd be finished. The power of tears, the power of someone that's in pain. How careful we need to be to make sure that we don't hurt other people. Okay. So this is a subject that I need to talk a little bit about. Um, just really very, very interesting. I went to Chicago this past Shabbos. I actually went Thursday afternoon and, um, and, and, and came back on Sunday. From Thursday when I landed at 1.30 till Sunday when I left at 4.30, I spoke 18 times. That was, that's my, this is my record. 18 times, yeshivas and, and in shuls and in offices and it was absolutely amazing. It was one of the most amazing Shabbos, Shabbosim that I ever had. But, I actually, and you know guys that I'm a pretty tough guy, right? I actually called the people that invited me, which was Dovin and Shira um, Chaplowitz, who invited me to come, who set this whole thing up. Pretty much called them last week on Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday, I said, I don't think I should come to Chicago. Because at that point, this whole Zumba <laughs> nonsense was going crazy and viral. Everybody was very, very, um, it was very, very important. I think it was number one thing in Clydesville right now that everybody was having a problem that Rabbi Wallstein actually got up in May, which is a long time ago, and spoke against the holy Kedusha of Zumba. And a lot of people got insulted, and some of you know it went viral, it went crazy, somebody posted all kinds of nonsense that they, they took the beginning of my share and the end of my share. I learned a lot about a lot about the internet and about Facebook and I have to say that really I think the whole thing happened it's my fault it's really my fault because I used to speak about I used to speak against Facebook a lot and anyone here knows people used to come and say I'll come to your shit but don't talk about Facebook it's enough every shit you talk about Facebook every I haven't spoken about Facebook in two years because I felt enough enough everybody knows how I feel about it it's a place where there's so much lush and horror right it's a place where things don't get done. Things get done on, you know, on earth, not sitting in front of a computer. So, I stopped. I didn't talk about Facebook no more. Wherever I went, they were like, don't talk about Facebook. So I didn't say anything about Facebook. So I think I just Buck wanted to show me, you think it's bad? I'll show you how bad. I, I'll show you what they can really do. Mamish, they call it cyber assassination. That's what they try to do. So I pretty much said to myself, I'm going to Chicago. Everybody's busy with this. You know, there's some shuls that don't want me to talk in their shuls. They canceled me out. And on Facebook, they were showing this shul canceled them out. So it was, you know, they were vice to be Robin, which gave me a fantastic chance. Because if you're vice, if you embarrass someone in public, he doesn't answer, you can bring Mashiach. You're the class to do anything. So I was like, okay, you know, that, that's good. That's a good thing. I'll, I'll save my one, I'll save my wish for something really good. So I called up this double child with I'm like, Dove, I don't think so. I really, you know, you're getting all kinds of phone calls. Don't let him come to Chicago and all this stuff, whatever. I'm like, Dove, let's just leave it alone. And he's like, MS stands. I'm not letting you out of this. You're coming. He says, don't worry about me. MS stands. Sheker fools, MS stands, right? How do you know that? If you take the letter Aleph, the way it's written in Hebrew, right? It has two feet. If you take the letter Mem, right? It has two feet. If you take the letter tough, it has two feet. If you take the, the word sheker, shin, comes to a point, it has one foot. You take the letter kuf, it has one foot. You take the letter resh, it has one foot. Sheker has one foot. MS has two feet. So he's like, you gotta come. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, I went, and I never had such a great job as, and, I mean, 18 speeches, I have to tell you, that I'm not gonna, I'm human, and I was very down because what are you taking my speech? First of all, these are my boys or my girls. This is my room. I'm talking to my people that are in front of me. What are you taking it, taking it apart, putting parts together, calling me a racist, calling me this, calling me that? What are you busy with my shit? Stay out of my room. This is my room, these are my boys. I'm not talking to the, to the whole world. It haven't that been that that shit was given to Basiak of girls who don't listen to non-Jewish music. So that's not for the whole world. I have my high school girls. I'd be very happy if they, 
went to Zumba, I would drive them there because that's a much better place than where they go. So the girls that were in front of me, it was for them, and they went in, these guys, and they took it apart, and the whole thing came because nobody even even knew who I was. There were people who spoke against me, who I met them in the street, and I'm like, hi, Shama. They don't even know who I am. They stopped. They don't still take. The guy said, listen to this in this minute, which is telling you, why don't you say listen to the whole tape? If someone tells me, I, um, I want you to listen to a tape, I want you to listen to, to from 39 minutes to 50 minutes, I'm like, why don't you want me to listen to the rest? Like, why don't you just tell me listen to the whole share? So automatically when you get it, a message like that, just start at 39 minutes, what are you doing? You got brains in your head? Listen to the whole share. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll see where I'm going with this. Anyway, so so I went I went to Chicago and it was... I was down. I have to tell you the truth because I want I want everyone to like me, right? I don't want people not to like me. So canceling a sheer that never happened to me in my life, right? So I was I was pretty upset. Okay, so Friday morning I go to this elementary school um, called Ari Crown Elementary School in Chicago, which you know when I when I speak in school, as much as I love speaking to Chaburas and I love Ornava and all this, I'm still a Rebbe. I'm already at heart. I like a classroom. I like kids, right? There's a certain innocence. There's a certain... We're teaching kids. So I was very excited going to this place. And I actually davened with the with the boys' minion, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, which I haven't done in a long time because I was an 8th grade rabbi, but I haven't been 8th grade rabbi for 5, 6 years. So I davened with this minion. They davened so beautiful, these kids, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And, and they were, you know, they were at least 10 rabbeim, maybe 12 rabbeim in there, which is a fantastic minion. And... And there were times, like by Kriyashma and by Ashrei, that the students were louder than the 12 Rabbeim. They were really and beautiful. So I was already feeling good, you know? And then I, that was my third speech already, fourth speech. Shachos was my fourth speech already, Friday morning, right? So I spoke to the kids, it was great, and I spoke to the girls. And just how Hashem runs the world, I was still in a foreign land, and not everybody's in love with me at the moment. So I was still a little bit, you know, shell shy. And there's another thing. People think that I, you know, I go to convention and, and that I speak about kids in pain and all that, and maybe they're a little bit right, because that's all I see. So if all you see a whole day, let's say, if you're an oncologist, and all you see all day is cancer, 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 you begin to believe that everybody has cancer. It's like the whole world has cancer, because you don't see normal, regular people. So when you see kids off the dirt and people with challenges and no shalom bias and people without children and people don't have shiduchim and this guy's off the derech and girls are cutting themselves and suicide and all this stuff, all of a sudden you, you begin to give up. It's like, we're done. Like, I, it's just, everything's going wrong. Whatever could go wrong is going wrong. And you begin to believe that, that we're done. So what happened, which was not planned, which was not on there, is the principal came over to me and says, I'd like you to see my first grade boys. I'm like, I'm not speaking to first grade boys. I mean that. He says, no, the teacher, the teacher that's teaching that class, her name is actually um, Rifki Greenberger. She deserves unbelievable credit. She won in Chicago, best teacher of Chicago, whatever. I don't know the award. But anyway, I go into that class, and there's about 12 to 14 little teeny boys. They're first graders, right? They're saying all the animamims by heart. There's nothing in front of them. And they're singing, there's some kind of song with these animamas, and they're talking about Hashem, and they're like, I love Hashem, you know, going through the whole motions, I love Hashem, He's there, He's there. And I want, for 20 minutes, I'm standing there, they're saying everything by heart. The whole song by heart, the whole animamas by heart. It was magnificent. I was in awe. And I walked out of that room, and I'm like, I turned to the principal, and he had no idea what I was saying. And I said, Kaisro will never die. <laughs> We're here forever. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, no, you don't understand. What I just saw, what Hashem just showed me, is that the, all this stuff that's going on, and a lot of the pain, everything that we're going through, there's 12, there's 14 boys in Chicago that in their world, their whole world is Hashem. I know that. I saw it. So I'm like, if there's 14 guys, 14 little boys in Chicago, that that's their whole world, then Kaisal will never die. Because it brings down by Haman, right? He thought he was going to win, and then he stopped by. The biggest mistake was he stopped by yeshiva with the little kids in yeshiva, and they were learning, and he heard them learning, and he came home, and he told Zeresh and all his advisors, we're done. They said, what do you mean we're done? You have it signed that at this end of the day, Klai is going to be destroyed? He said, I know, but I just saw Tinaika Shalbeis Rabbah. 
Nobody can beat Tinochet Shobesh Rabba. Nobody can beat the little kids in Yeshiva. He, Haman, a Russia, a lowlife, swore that when it comes to, when you, if, if the Jews still have kids that believe in Hashem and are learning Torah, well, they would be destroyed. So once I walked out of that class and it wasn't planned, I was like, bring it on. Bring anything you want on, bring it on, because we have Hashem, and it's not the end of the world, and we're not going to be destroyed. Not everybody's going off the derech, not everybody's angry at Hashem. There's a bunch of kids here, and this teacher was off the charts. And I told him, YouTube, with all this garbage, put this on YouTube. Is it going to go viral? Afraid not. But put it on YouTube. Everyone should see that there are kids in this world, there are children in this world that are, that are close to Hashem and they're excited about Hashem. And then from there, well, Hashem, it just, it, it, it took off. And you have to understand what MS is. Matzei Shabbos was my last big speech in Chicago. There were over 500 people at that share. It was the biggest, what they told me was the biggest gathering of people for a share ever in the history of Chicago. And I was willing to turn that down. On Tuesday, I was willing to step away. I never thought there'd be that many people, but I was, I was willing to step away 100%. This guy, David, MS stands. Sheker falls. You get on a plane and you get here. And it was... Oynik Shabbos was 140 people. For Oynik Shabbos, cake and, 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 and whatever. That was number 12, I think, right at that point. Right? But, guys, if you're the MS and you do what you're supposed to do, Kishbarchu will stand behind you. Don't listen to all the riffraff, to all the stuff that's going on out there. And the best thing is, of course, if you have a phone like mine, because I don't have internet. So whatever they're blogging and Facebook, I have no idea. So unless the girls tell me where people are writing, I have no idea. And I told the girls, don't tell me. So I have no idea. You know, I, I knew there was something going on, but I, I had no idea what's going on. But, but you gotta stand up for who you are. Now we'll talk about Zumba. Okay? Because I think that it's, that, that there should be a clarity and, uh, this will not go, this will not be picked up by the people that picked up the other shirim because this is truth. Okay? So when I spoke about, and I'm, I'm gonna talk about women in Klai Yisrael in a minute. When I spoke about Zumba, I was speaking to, to girls that don't, do not listen to non-Jewish music. And I, and I still believe that, that if you're not listening to non-Jewish music, this is a gateway. You know, I remember when I first started dealing with drug addicts, that, um, there were people that said marijuana is a gateway to other drugs. And there was a big machlekes in the therapy world, in the scientific world, whatever you want, that was saying that marijuana is not addictive. I don't, I don't know that, I'm not a specialist in this, but marijuana is not addictive, and therefore, it's not a gateway. It's not a gateway. Marijuana is not a gateway to heroin and cocaine and all these other things. Marijuana is its own thing, and that's pretty much the, the, what America is saying by making it legal. Because it would never make something legal. It's going to end up with heroin and cocaine. So by making marijuana legal, which is going to happen probably in New York at some point, first it becomes medicine, it becomes medicine, and after medicine it becomes legal. So, so the only way that you can make something like this legal is because you believe that 100% marijuana is not going to lead to these things. I mean, American, we're not going to let people do something that's going to end up being heroin and cocaine and pills and, and killing yourself, right? So they really believe that it's not a gateway. But there are people that do believe it's a gateway. And I 100% believe that it's a gateway. What does it mean that it's a gateway? So if, if you're going to talk chemically, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. It seems to be that they believe chemically, marijuana doesn't cause you to do these other things. But there's something that I gave a share about a very, very long time ago. How is it a gateway? It's the same way as, as doing Averis. That, that, that feeling, that feeling, that a person gets, and he's high, what they call high, whatever it is, that's the gateway. Not the marijuana, not the chemical reaction of what it does, but feeling buzzed, feeling not, feeling not, um, connected to the world in a certain way so that you're in a, you're in a happy place and you're in a, you're in a different place. So what happens is when you have that feeling, right? So you like that feeling. And you want more of that feeling, and you want more of that feeling. So even though it's not, maybe not addictive, maybe it's not addictive. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a, a bucky in this, right? Maybe it's not addictive. I, I can't believe that they would make something legal that's addictive. It would be crazy, right? Even though they made cigarettes legal, which is addictive. So tobacco companies, right, were very smart. So maybe marijuana companies are very smart. I don't know. 
right? But I, I don't know if it's, I can say maybe it's not addictive. Maybe chemically it's not addictive. But Lemaisa, the feeling is addictive. See, that's not what they're thinking about. The feeling is addictive. So drinking, right? That feeling could lead to marijuana. That feeling, it's all, it's, it's the way you feel. So when you have that feeling and you're under a lot of pressure and you're under a lot of pain and you can do something that's going to take you out of that pain, we know it takes you out of pain because medicinal, use for medicine means it's taking the person out of pain. So what becomes a painkiller? I know a lot of guys, Nebuch, that are, that are addicted to pills today that they, they, they started because they had back problems. They really did. They started because they had back problems. So then the minute your back problem's over, why did you continue? And the answer is I liked the way I felt when I, when I was on painkillers. So when, once I liked the way I felt, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to continue feeling that way. So, so yes, things are gateways. Now, for a not for a girl who's not listening to non-Jewish music and she's going to exercise to non-Jewish music, she's gonna like it. It does something to your body that Jewish music doesn't. Baraya, if Jewish music could do that to your body, then we'd have jumba, right? Which is Jewish music, and we tried jumba. We tried, or never tried. We tried, and some of the Zumba women who run Zumba said, you know what, Rabbi Wallstein, we'll give it a shot. We hear you. We'll give it a shot. We're going to put on some crazy Israeli music, right? Metal music, whatever it is, Jewish music, right? And the girl, the women who went said, we are not coming back if you do this again. <laughs> so what does that mean? That means that the Jewish music, for some reason, and listen, I listen to Jewish music. I got Moshe Band in my car right now. You can dance to that. Trust me. You can jump and dance to that music, Right? But that music doesn't do it. So if that music doesn't do it for me, to make me dance, to make me exercise, then I have to ask myself, why? Why isn't it doing it for me? So you have these Jewish kids who, who struggle and really only listen to Jewish music. And now all of a sudden, you're giving them a gateway because they're feeling things they never felt before. So yes, for the girl who's going to a club, who's going with guys, Who's anyway listening to, to, to non-Jewish music? So yeah, going with, with women where there's no men, right? And dancing just women where there's no men and you're not in a club. Of course that's better. There's no shy love that that's better. But if that's not what you're doing and you're, you are not listening to, to, to non-Jewish music and you're not going to clubs, so then why don't you we exercise to Jewish music? So that's really what I was saying. But they went into my room and they took my share, and what they did is they pulled it apart. But there's something that's really been bothering me, and I'm going to put it out to Kleisfeld. And if you want to email me about it, I have no problem. I got attacked. I mean, I don't even want to show you, but you guys read the blog, so you know. They called me every name in the book. Shul's canceled me from speaking. There's a Shul I'm supposed to speak in, in a while from now. They said, the women don't want him. Why? He spoke against Zumba. So, seriously, seriously, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a joke, right? And the husbands are defending their wives. Listen. So, I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, this whole thing that happened, what did I do? Did I speak about against Jews? No. Did I speak about women? Against women? Jewish women? Who my whole life is Ornava, Teresnava, Benochaya? No. Did I speak about against marriage, against helping people. Why is everyone so excited? Why are they so hurt? Spoke about a dance exercise? <laughs> Rabbi Wallstein spoke against a dance exercise and you're willing to hang him, cancel him? What did he speak against? A dance exercise. Imagine I got up tonight and said, I am against weightlifting. Now watch, they're going to cut, they're going to cut that. Things are going to come out. Wallstein speaks against weightlifting, right? 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 So imagine I got up to that. I am against weightlifting. And all of a sudden I'm getting hundreds of emails from guys. What is wrong with you? Stay away from our shul. Don't ever, we're not going to listen anymore. I'm dry. I used to listen to your shir. I used to come Tuesday night to Chabura. Never coming back. You spoke against weightlifting. Weightlifting? That's what you're worried about? So, so what, what bothers me is, why is Kaisrol getting so excited about Zumba? It's not a person. I'm not speaking against a person. I'm speaking against an exercise. And I'm speaking about the non-Jewish music for women who only listen to Jewish music. Why is everyone getting so excited? And it bothered me. I mean, you want to hang me for something that I would say against Jewish people, or, or, or but against an exercise? And I thought to myself, 
Why are these women, why is everybody so upset? And then I figured it out. You see, when you speak about something, at the same time they did this whole thing with me, there was a group of anti-Semites in America, some kind of organization called the Scholars, something organization, at the same time came out that they said, you're not, that the, all these scholars, that it's a protest, and nothing is no Israeli um, students, no Israeli information. A terrible thing against us and Israel, right? I didn't see any blogs. I didn't see any emails. In Brooklyn College, they got up pro-Palestinian against Israelis. They called them Nazis. They called us. They called the Israeli government Nazis. They came here to to, uh, to Brooklyn College right here. I don't see any of you guys. I don't see any any blogs. I didn't see any women. Thousands of women going and. Listen to this. Wallerstein's canceled from shuls and organizations because he had the chutzpah to speak against an exercise. But our Jewish children are still going to Brooklyn College. When they openly have a club, right, a Palestinian club that's anti-Israel, anti-Jews, they call us Nazis. The guy that's behind it got up and spoke, came to Brooklyn College. Nobody pulled their child out of Brooklyn College. But Zumba, we're out. Not coming to you share anymore. Girl sent me, I got emails. I'm not coming to you share anymore. Rabbi. I listen to you on Torah anytime. I'm never listening to you again. But in college, nobody moved. To speak against Eretz Yisrael, to speak against the Jew, no problem. Speak, but I spoke against Zumba, they went crazy. So I'm trying to figure out why. I figured it out. I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't figure it out. I figured it out. Because Israel and Brooklyn College has nothing to do with me. Because I'm, I'm just as guilty. I should have been there in Brooklyn College. I should have been protesting, right? I should have been protesting. What is this? You come into Flatbush? You come into, into a Jewish, into us? Into, in, into a college that has a Hillel house, whatever, and you're getting up and you're calling, you're calling Israel Nazis? Right? I should have been there. How come I wasn't there? How come all you guys weren't there? And the answer is, because it doesn't affect us. What do we care? So some guy got up and said, we're going to Nazis. Who cares? There's nothing to affect us. Israel's not here. I don't live in Israel. Oh, he would have said something about Avenue J. Ha, ha, ha. We would have gotten him, right? But he said something about Israel. Have a good day. I, I spoke about something that they're doing. I spoke, yeah, it's an exercise, but I'm doing that exercise. How dare you talk against my exercise? So when it becomes yours, when you're doing something, right, then all of a sudden you get very affronted and you get very, very hurt. But it's very sad in my head that we reacted, right? Whether you agree with me, you don't agree with me. You listen, I took about, I took about Facebook my whole life. And I talked about, you know, internet my whole life. Nobody went crazy. Nobody said anything. Wallerstein's against Facebook. But this is something that you do. And when you do something, right? Everybody got insulted. There's no reason to get insulted. It's not, it's not, it's, it's about an exercise. It's nothing to get crazy about. But I want, I want to talk a little bit, even though it's a boy's share. I think that this is, um, it's very important. It's very interesting because it has to do with has to do with Moshe Rabbeinu. So I've been asked this question many times. I don't. I never really talked about it on a Tuesday night, but I'm not giving a shit tomorrow night to the girls. So I think this is very important. And some of you guys are looking for shidduchim. Some of you guys are married. So I get this from girls very, very much. So it says that men, when we come up to Shemayim, so we go to Yeshiva Shalmaila. We go, and that's what we do, actually, guys. It's, you got to learn down here, otherwise you're going to go to Yeshiva Shalmaila. And you're sitting yeshiva up there, and you're not going to know where they're talking about. That's Gehenna, not Ganadin. To sit the rest for eternity. If you go to a shear, right? If you go to a shear, and you um, and and you sit there for eternity, and you don't understand one word, that's not Ganadin. That's more like Gehenna. So you, whatever you learn down here, it says whatever you understand, whatever you learn down here, whatever you put in, that's what you get up there. Anyway, so women ask me. So what about us? Where do we go? Shiva Shomayla, Beshakov Shomayla. Right? Where do we go? So there's a, there's a Kabayasha in Perek Nun Dalid. It's very, very fascinating. And it begins with Bat Paro. That's why I'm saying it. It begins with Bat Paro. Right? It says the following. There are four chambers in Ganeiden for women. Okay? And these are what they are. Hechel Echad Yesh Lamalo. There's one Hechel. Who Miyuchad Lebasyabat Paro. It's set up. Right? Who runs that room? Who's the head of that room? Batya, the daughter of Paro. The Kama Revovois Valoshim Noshim Tikaniyas Ima. There are hundreds of thousands of women that are in that room with her. Ulachol Chada, of course these are the women who deserve it. Ulachol Chada, and every woman, 
They have a special place where they have a crazy enjoyment, unbelievable enjoyment. Three times, the Kabbalah Yosha talks about the next world a lot, a lot of Zayar. So when he says something about the next world, this is what's happening. Three, day, three times during the day, there's an announcement. And they move the curtain, and she sees Moshe Rabbeinu. She said, How lucky I am that this is my chalik. That I brought up this, this person, Moshe Rabbeinu. She goes back to the women, that are in her room, in Begadim Naim, with beautiful clothing. These clo- the clothing is lit up with a great light. And these women in that room are called Nashim Shananos. Now he says something that's amazing. Listen to this. So it says, right? She goes back to the other women. This is unbelievable. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. So what do they do up there? This is what he says. I could never say this. It's very Kabbalistic. She goes back to the women. And they do mitzvahs of the Torah. Kulu, all of them. Like they did here. And the Zion says, All the mitzvahs they couldn't do, they're tzitzes, tzvillin, all the mitzvahs that they couldn't do in this world. They get to do in her room, they get to do all those mitzvahs. So the women who are zaychet to it, Go up to the next world, and all the mitzvahs they couldn't do here, all the men mitzvahs that they couldn't do in this world, Hashem gives them the ability to do in that world, and three times a day, they're able to look at my Rabbeinu. Room number one. Room number two. You're going to see something very, very fascinating about this. In the second room, who runs that room? Serach Basasha. Who was Serach Basasha? Serach Basasha was the one that when they had to tell Yaakov that Yosef was alive, so not to shock him, that he should go into shock, they said it, she, she, she played an instrument, and she said it in a way that wouldn't kill him. Okay? The And many hundreds of thousands of women were with her. Three times a day they call out, Yosef is here. She goes to the, to the curtain. And she sees the, the Yaisa at Sadiq and she says, What a great honor I have that this is in my portion and that I was the one that was able to tell my father, my grandfather, was a grandfather, um, and after that she goes back to her place. Okay? So, so far, which women had rooms? Basia and Serach Bas Asha. What did they do in this world? What was their greatness, everybody? Chesed. They both did Chesed. Bacha saved Moshe Rabbeinu. Serach Bas Asher saved Yaakov Avinu that he wouldn't die. So they both did Chesed. They both have these special rooms. Okay, third room. In the third room, who's running that room? Yocheved, Imei, the Moshe, Aaron and Miriam, the mother of Moshe, Aaron and Miriam. And what did she do, Yocheved? She was Shifra. And she saved all the babies that Paro said that she be killed. So all three of them, right? She saved Moshe. She saved Yaakov. And she saved all the boys. Shifra and Pua. Right? So you see in the next world who runs the rooms? Chesed. That's who runs the rooms. Okay? Okay. So what happens with her? There are many thousands of women with her. She does something else. Every single day, she says, she davens and sings praises to Kosh Baruch Hu. Ihi, with her, v'chol ha-noshim mizamrois shiras hayam. All the women in her room sing of Yasha. V'achach yin l'chod v'negra's pasik, and she then sings by herself, v'tikach miram ha-neviyah es ha-taif b'yada. That's, and, and we know that Miriam said a short, a short um right? And for some reason, many angels listen to these women singing. I guess there's no Koisha in the next world, right? Especially for angels, right? So they listen. Now listen to what it says. 
This is this is what Nashim Tzikaniyos get. All the tzaddikim that are sitting in Ganeiden, Makshivim Lakol Ni'imay Shalah, they concentrate on the beautiful song that she sings. V'kama Malachim Kedoshim Moedum Umeshavchim Hashem Yisbarach Ima, and many angels join her and praise God with her. Do you understand the level that a person can can reach? I mean, there's something I want to say. I'm just controlling myself. But for some reason, it doesn't say that in any of these heichols, there's Zumba. I had to say it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Could not control myself. They were singing. Al-Jashir. And there were Malachim. But there's no Zumba in any one of these rooms. For some reason, I don't know why. Anyway, had to say it. Fourth room. And in the fourth room is the Vaira Hanavia, who also sang Shira, right? And there are many women with her. And she sings the Shira of Devorah. Now, these are the four, these are four outside, let's say, antechambers, right? And then inside those four, there are another four. What are those four? Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. They each have their own. The law is Nobody can go there, nobody can see it. This is Zaya. From that, from that room, the, the Nishamas, the souls of the Gerim, of the converts, come from there. And I'm not allowed to talk about this, he says. If you want to know more about it, then you have to look up in, um, you have to look at the desire, and he says on the bottom that these four hechelim of Sarah, Rivka, and Rachel will lay in the star, and they're hidden. You can't see them. From, from whatever this means, from, from, that, from that room comes out the neshamas of the gerim. So, it's very clear, and this is what I tell all the girls. That's where you want to go. You want to end up in one of those four hechels. You have to be, you have to be a nashim tzikhaniyas to do that. And, and look what happens in the hechel. Now, you want to hear the power Guys, should hear this. It's very, very important. One of the power. I've said this maybe ten years ago, so maybe Chaim, you remember this story. But this is a crazy, crazy story, and it's, it's really the power of a woman. But it's also there's a very important lesson. And the lesson here, he says, the following. This is this is Kava Yosha. He says you have to be very careful when you make a party, you make a bar mitzvah, you make a wedding. Guys, especially guys who are not married, you have to know something that that sometimes the walls, right? They'll tell you when you make a wedding. That if you give us a certain amount of money, we won't let the poor people in. And when the poor people come, we'll give them. In other words, let's say four hundred dollars, we'll give everybody twenty dollars. So, so you know that way they're not around at the wedding and they're not bothering you because you can be bothered. You're Williamsburg, Barbara, people are coming in, they're bothering your guests. So some people don't want to get. Okay, here's four hundred dollars. You give it out. It's the worst thing you can ever do. The most important thing is that at your wedding, more important than all your guests is that you invite poor people and you feed them and you give them to eat. How do we know this? The whole thing of Akedas Yitzchak was that Abraham Avinu made a big party. When Yitzchak was old enough, he made a huge party. And the Satan, right, came to the party because he wanted to make trouble. Now, Sari Imenu, they were, they were, they were, they were, they, they were saying that Sari Imenu didn't get pregnant from Abraham, that she, that, that, that she was with Abraham all those years, and then one night she was with, with Abimelech, and all of a sudden she got pregnant. So Lord Sani Ado was saying, that there's no way a nine-year-old woman, whatever, that, that, you know, so no, I'm sorry, they, that was, they were saying that she adopted Yitzchak, Yitzchak was adopted, there's no way a 90 year old woman can give birth, so they said, we don't know that you gave birth, you adopted a kid, you're making believe this whole story, so Hashem made a miracle that she was able to nurse, right, that she got back, that she was young, she was able to nurse, so at this party, people came to the party and said, yeah, 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 this guy's not your kid, he, uh, you adopted him, right, so she... She said, I adopted him. You don't think I can... So she nursed all the nine, all the kids, that, all the people that came to the party. She nursed all of them. Hashem made a miracle. She was able to nurse them. The Zoya says that the Gerim, the Gerim, the people who are non-Jews that became Jews in all these generations, what, why, they, why did they become Gerim? No one, someone else did it. They were all the Shamas of the, of the non-Jews that nursed from Sarimeno that time. So she was so holy to nurse from Sarimeno that they became Gerim. That's what it says. Right? So, she was busy nursing all these kids. So, normally, she took care of the guests. She couldn't take care of the guests. She was nursing. Avram Avinu had all the kings and everybody that was there. So, he also wasn't taking care of the poor people. So, the Satan specifically came dressed as a poor person, collecting money. Avram didn't help, and Sarah didn't help. So, 
the, it's considered, if you don't have korbanos, it's considered when you give a poor person to eat, it's considered like you're bringing a sacrifice in the base of Mikdash. So he came up to God, and the Satan, he says, hey, look at your, look at your Avram, look at your Abraham over here. He, he, he's not, he, he's not, he, he had a baby, you gave him a baby after all these years, he's not thankful. He didn't bring a carbon. I'm a poor man, he didn't give me anything, right? So he's unappreciative. So Hashem said, he didn't bring a carbon, he wouldn't even bring his son as a carbon. <laughs> Boom, okay, that's Yitzchak. That's why Kedah Yitzchak happened. That's why it happened. Had he, had, had, there wouldn't have been a Kedah Yitzchak, had there been Tzedakah. He said, he said to the son, you don't think he'd bring a carbon? The son that he's making the party for, he didn't even bring him as a carbon. That's why he says, Vayi Achere HaDvarim. Or the dvarim, what happened? That he made a party and he didn't give a poor person to eat. So it's very important that whether you're going to make any party, engagement, simcha, bar mitzvah, whatever it is, go and find two poor people and bring them to your simcha, sit them down and give them to eat. And don't pay nobody to pay off. If they're all collecting by your wedding, the greatest thing for your wedding is that they're collecting because one of them might be the satan. Who knows who he is? And anyway, the greatest thing is to give poor people by your wedding. Let them sit down, let them eat. Anyway, so he tells a story like this. He says that um, there was once this, this girl and, and, and her father was a very big tzaddik. Adam Asher Echad, he was very rich. He was also a big tzaddik. And he had this very beautiful daughter who was Tznuah B'chamuda. She was, she, was, she was beautiful and she was very modest. And she got married three times. She married, she married a guy and the night of the wedding, first night in the morning they found him, he was dead. And she married another one, and the same thing happened. And she married a third one, and the same thing happened. And the Gemara says, a woman who loses three husbands is considered a killer woman. In the Gemara, she's not allowed to get married again. She has bad mazel. She caused three guys to die. She's not allowed to get married again. So this poor, beautiful, modest girl had no shiduchim. Nobody wanted to marry her anymore, right? So she said, I accept it, and I will be an amana, a widow, and a guna, never to be married again. Okay. So, this rich man had a brother who was very poor, and he had ten children. And every day, this boy, the oldest boy, would go into the um, forest, and he would cut wood, and he would sell it. And that's how he supported his father, the, the family. Anyway, one time, he was trying to sell the wood. I guess there was someone that was trying to sell wood for cheaper. And he lost his, he wasn't making any money, and they didn't have food for bread. And um, he went out again and again. So finally, the the, um, the boy asked his father if he could go to work for his rich uncle. And he said yes. When he came to his rich uncle, so his uncle was so happy and his wife was happy and his daughter, the Amana. And uh, they asked him, How you, how's your family? And he told them, my family's starving pretty much. And the boy said to his uncle, I would like to ask you for something, but you can't say no. So his his uncle said... Shalbani Mashatirza, ask me whatever you want. So the boy said, I'm not going to ask you for anything till you swear to me that whatever I ask you, you're going to do. So um, he said, fine, no problem. Whatever you want. So he told him, I want to marry your daughter, the, the widow. When the uncle heard this, he began to cry and he said, Ivey, um, she's a killer. And everyone she marries dies. So um, I don't want to lose my nephew. So he said, but we made a deal. And, and, and the deal is that you're going to give me whatever I want. So the uncle said, oh, you want to marry her because you want money? I'll give you as much money as you want. You don't need to marry her. You don't need to die. He said, no. He said, we made a deal. You got to keep the deal. Okay. So he had no choice. He went to his daughter and he told her that I, I swore and I can't break a shvua. And you got to marry this guy. So she began to cry. And she said to her father, kill me. That I shouldn't, that this boy shouldn't die because of me. Anyway, they had no choice, and, she, and, and um, he, he got engaged to her, and they made a wedding. And when the, when the chassan was sitting at the, what do they call the beginning? The chassan, the chassan tish, right? An old man, Nizmin Lai Echad, an old man came to him. It was Elio Anavi. And he said to the chassan, listen to me. And whenever I tell you, you better listen to me. He, he didn't know that he was Elio Novi, he just saw an old man. He said, when you're sitting by the meal today, there's going to come a very poor man. You never saw such a smelly old poor man in your life like this. He says, the minute you see him, make sure you give him to eat and to drink and you take care of him. 
and then Oyonavi disappeared. He he left. Okay, they get mad. The wedding the wedding's going on, and the chassan is sitting, and um, this poor man walks in, and when the chassan sees the poor man, right? So Oyonavi just told him to give him to eat. He got up when he saw this poor man. He was talking the poorest man he ever saw. He was filthy. He smelled. He, the chassan got up from his chassan chair and put the poor man in his chassan chair and fed him in his chassan chair. So he gave the Oni very, 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 a lot, a lot, a lot of covered. Right? Okay? So, he didn't know that who the Oni was. So he did everything he was supposed to do. After the, after the wedding was over, the chassan went to his room. The Kala went to her room to get her stuff all together. And the Oni, the poor man, followed the chassan into his room. So Amalani said, Beni, my son, this is what the poor man said to the to the chassan. I'm a messenger of God. I'm here to take your soul. Amalel chassan, chassan said to him, take my soul. Okay, I know that everyone that she married died. Give me a year, Give me a year with her, a half a year. Amalel, the sata malchamava said to him, that's who the poor man was. No can do. Amalei chassan, can leave man shleishim yain. Give me thirty days. Amalei loyesa. No can do. Amalei chassan, can leave man shemesimei amishte. Give me the sheva brachas. Amalei malchamaves loyesa. I can't do that. I can't do you a chesed even one day. Because I was sent, I'm a shliach from Hashem, and your time is up. Give me permission. That I can say goodbye. At least let me say goodbye to my wife and my uncle. Okay, that'll do for you. Why? Because you did me such a big chesed. You put me in your seat and you fed me. Go and come back fast. He went to the chesed where she was. And he was crying. And the chesed came to the kala. She opened the door. He held out, he held out to her hand to kiss her. For Amr Elav, she said, Why? You, you don't have your stuff. You don't have your suitcase. You don't have nothing. Why are you coming without anything? I came to ask you permission. It's my time to die. The Malachamavas is in my room. He said he came to take my soul. So she said to him, don't you leave this room. You stay here. I'm going to go to your room and I'll talk to the Malcolm Abbas. She's a tough girl. Right? This is, this is not a fairy tale. She went and she found the Malcolm Abbas. She said to the Malach, Are you the guy that came here to take my husband? Yep. That's me. I'm alone. She said to him, doesn't it say in the Torah, when a man gets married, that for the first year you can't take him to the army. You, you know, he has to stay home. And he has to make his wife happy. Isn't God true and his Torah true? If you're going to take my husband, he's going to die. Then the whole Torah is a joke. Because... Hashem says you can't go to war because of Shana Rishana. Now Hashem's going to take away my husband? So she says, listen to this woman. Nairidik. Listen to what she says to the Machem Aves. If you listen to what I'm saying, what the good? In love, Bowie Mandi, you come with me. She's telling the Machem Aves. You come with me. Let's go together to the Bezgan Shamayla. Let's go and talk to God. Shama Amalach, Amalach heard this, he said to her, you see, because your husband was so nice to me, I'll listen to you, and I'm going to go to God, I'll tell him what you said, that the Torah says, the first day, you have to be, right? So she knew how to learn. She knew how to learn. Not from Zumba. <laughs> okay. So, 
what's going on here? Right? So the Malach, what she was trying to do, by the way, what she was trying to do was she figured that when she goes with the Malach to Shemayim, she can't come back. So she's going to die for him. That was her thought. In other words, I'll go with you, and once I'm up there, you took you took a soul already. You can't take us both. She was willing to give herself up for that. But the, maybe he saw through it. Could be that he saw through it. So he said, no, no, I'll go talk to God. I don't need you to come up with me, right? Could be that he was scared that if she goes up to God, it's the end of him. I don't know. I don't know how scared he was of her. But this is what he said, okay? So, went to ask God. In a second, in a blink of an eye, Baba Simcha, he came back happy. Another time to her room. Baruch said, it's okay. To give him back his life. Because of the Gemilas Chesed that he did with the poor man. The whole night, the father and mother of the girl was sitting outside of the room, where the Chesed and Kala were, and they thought for sure that he's going to die that night. He heard them talking. They came into the room. They saw they were alive. They told everybody. And everybody thanked He would have never had a chance that, that he would have been able, his wife would have been even able to talk to him, right? He, he would have been, she, would have, she would have found him dead. The whole reason he led him was because he did tzedakah and because he took care of he, he took care of an ani. You hear the power of a woman? This is a crazy story. A kayak to go one on one with the satan because she was a tzedakista, she was a tznuah, and she was chemda. She had a kayak to save her husband. That's what that's what a, that's a kayak of a person who does what they're supposed to do. She went one on one with the malachamaves, and she beat him. All right, let me finish with a, with a. Fast story that's in Alenu Shaber. I think it's like just the most amazing story. So he he he, he speaks. He tells true stories. Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein, listen to this story because we're talking about Chesed. Don't forget all those rooms again. Let's go through the rooms. Bachet saved Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Tzachmat Usher saved Yaakov. Yocheved saved all the children. What was the fourth room? What was the fourth room? Devorah, and Devorah was the one that sang Shira. In this world, so whatever you, whatever you, whatever you do in this world, that's what you get to do in the next world. Hamavin Yavin. Okay, so he says a story like this very fast. There were two businessmen in Eretz Yisrael. It's a true story in Tel Aviv in a hotel, and they were they were working on a very big business deal. And one of them he was going to pay the other one. He put cash on the table. All the guy, other guy had to do was sign sign a paper. All of a sudden, the the, the alarm went off that there's a chayfitz chashud, right? There's a chayfitz chashud. They think there's a bomb in a lobby, and everybody has to run out. So they all ran out. And they ran out, they came back, of course the money was not on the table anymore. So they summoned the police, but neither the money nor the thief was apprehended. So people heard about the story, and they tried to find the money, nobody could find the money. Two days later, somebody was staying in the hotel, they were gone, they lost a lot of money, it was a lot of money. Two days later, another Jew was walking by, he heard the story, and he noticed that one of the large flower pots in the lobby was tilted. So he said, that's really weird. So he lifted the flower pot, there was a wad, a wad, a wad of money there. So he understood that whoever stole it, right, hid it there, was going to come back and get it. So the man went and took this money he found, and he went to ask a Rav if he's permitted to keep the money. And the Rav said, the rule of halachic, yes, 100%. Because it's Rishit Harabim, and it was stolen, and there's people there that are not honest, so he was Miyayish, and he gave up on the money. Therefore, find his keepers. Whoever, whoever found it can keep it. Okay, so the man said, good, halachic, I can keep it, I can keep it. The man got up the next morning, and he just it just bothered him. He said, "The bottom line is that he knew he knew there were two Jewish businessmen that lost this. And how could he sleep? I mean, even though halakhically he could take the money, he, he, it's somebody else's money." So he inquired in the hotel who was the guy, you know, because the guy left a number at that time. If anybody finds money, whatever it is, anyway. So he called this guy and he met him. Listen to this, and he was sure that the businessman that lost the money would be delighted and thank him. To his surprise. The businessman told him that because he already given up on the money, he was not willing to accept it in return. You found it, you made a Kenyan, I don't want it. It's your money. Use it as you, fee- you see fit. But the guy who found it said, are you crazy? Just because you gave up hope, but the said it's your money. It was your money. I don't want this money. So both of them decided they don't want the money. 
The guy who lost it didn't want the money. He says it's his, and the guy who found it says it's yours. Listen to this very ridiculous story. So, the one of them asked him, the, the, the one who had the money said, do you have a son? He said, yes, he's waiting for me. Um, the businessman said, yes, he's the one who brought me to the hotel now to, to, to meet you. He's downstairs. So the guy who found the money said, well, I have a daughter. Would you be interested in maybe a shidduch? Since your midos are unbelievable. And the other guy said, well, since your midos are unbelievable, <laughs> right? So, you know, you don't get oranges from apple trees. So if the parents meet us are unbelievable, the kids are probably, he says, maybe this is a shidduch. So a meeting was quickly arranged, and after a few more meetings, the two sides wished one another a malotov, and the money was used to pay for the wedding. Godless. That is such a godless story. There was such a story, and it's brought down in the Medrash Rabbah, about Alexander, and he went to this, this forest, and he also saw such a story, you know, whatever it is. We see from here, we see from here, Midois, Midois, Trevois, Look at the chambers in Shemayim where the women are. Look what saved, able to, to, to save a person from dying, save a person from the Malachim of us, that he had the Midos to take care, to take this poor man, he was told to give him to eat. Instead, he put him in his chair. He put him in the Chassan's chair. And he took of him like a king. Saved his life. Look at the Shidduch. The Shidduch was made because two people were, had unbelievable Midos. One didn't want to take something that didn't belong to him. The other one didn't want something that someone found and was really should have been his because of Yishlo Midas. Midas, Midas, Tavis. And that's what's going to bring Mashiach. We should all be Zaychabim, Hayabim, Amen, Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.